You're listening to Thriving Church Leadership, a church board development podcast. A dialogue to encourage church leaders to rise to the noble task of church leadership. Through a series of conversations with godly, experienced, and insightful individuals, we've dived deep into this very unique space of leadership, specifically formal church leadership, such as pastors, elders, deacons, trustees, and board leadership as a whole within the church. This is Brian Walker, and I'm the host of the Thriving Church Leadership Podcast, and it's a pleasure to be here with you. I'm joined by two good friends and two leaders in ministries and churches, um, and I would like to introduce them to you today. With me is Pastor Steve Blackwell. He, um, he's also Dr. Steve Blackwell, but he prefers to go by uh, Pastor Steve, and um, Pastor Steve is the lead pastor at Brighton Church um, Harvest Church in Brighton, Colorado. And uh, thank you, Pastor Steve. It's good to have you here, brother. Thank you. And also is uh, Brett Elder. Brett is um, a, a local church leader and ministry leader and just knowledgeable on the topic that we're going to be spending time on today. Brett, hey, thanks for being here with us. Good to be here. So, fellas, we're going to get right into the content, and um, this is this is exciting content. It's 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 maybe a, a little bit more complicated of a, of a of a topic to work toward, and I'm grateful for both of you in your effort in ministry and leadership and, and your expertise. And um, the, the topic we're going to be spending time on is the idea, the conversation of stagnant ministries and and how to wrestle with that. In fact, we have wrestled even with the, the, the word stagnant. And um, I, I, I wonder, Steve, as, as we as we even wrestle with that word. How do you, how do you, at its very front edge, how do you how do you work through the word of stagnant ministry or stagnant organization? Organization. Well, to be honest, I don't use the word <laughs> first of all because it just has kind of a negative connotation. But uh, I usually use the word plateaus. The churches are plateaued for a while and. I feel like that maybe gives a little more positive, but I think, I mean, I think from a definition point of view, stagnation is fine. It's just that it has a connotation mm-hmm. um, of not being a very good thing. So when you think, um, uh, Steve, of, of stagnant organizationally, what, what does that, what does that bring to mind when you think of a stagnant church or a stagnant ministry? Uh, people that don't care. Um, uh, that they feel like they've lost, they have no vision, um, or are not remembering the vision. Um, <clears throat> maybe that would be a start on it. Um, uh, uh, that they uh, lack the direction and don't even maybe know what the direction should be, and they lack purpose. Mm. The the, um, the, the rudder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Brett. When you think of that word, you know, I I know we wrestle with the, the, even using it in regard to qualifying a ministry or a church that way. How, how do you how do you wrestle with that that same thing? It does seem to have a stigma about it. The word itself, particularly when you're talking about ministry, uh, no one wants to be labeled that. So people are probably secretly listening to this podcast, hoping they're not being seen as stagnant churches. But I think it's a real issue. I would add just another category to that because I've been involved in maybe slightly larger churches, certainly not mega churches, but it's it's the category of 
maybe false growth or perceived growth churches. Uh, and I would elaborate on that just simply to say those are churches that feel like they're sort of new and fresh life, but in large part it's because there's a revolving door. Uh, so mm. you've got new blood coming in, but you've got others going out the door. Mm. And so there's almost this false positive, uh, not that and nobody's saying that numerical growth is the goal. Uh, but to some extent, I think we we get energized by new blood and we're comfortable with old blood walking out the door. And so all of a sudden you're, you're sitting pretty much stagnant in mm. terms of numerically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, one of, one of the main focus of this podcast is, is to address it from a, a governance, a leadership perspective. Um, you know, this concept of stagnation or negative growth or um, lack of interest that you guys describe. Um, when, when, you, when you have seen, Steve, I'll ask you, when, when you've been part of ministries that are wrestling with stagnant or maybe plateaued, plateaued growth or ministry um, energy, are, are there, have you found that there are maybe some leading indicators, some, some ways to maybe envision it or see it happening in your experience before it even maybe taking place? Is there, is there anything there that you, that you've seen in regard to that? Now, would you say that from my church's perspective or all churches' perspective? Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, you know that that is something. There, I'm sure every church has life cycle, and there is probably times of what you might call plateau or stagnation in your own ministry. But maybe yeah. even in things you've seen as you um, have consulted with ministries and churches or organizations around the country. Yeah, I, I think Brian probably um, the idea. Uh, I would have is when I'm seeing uh, without a vision, the people perish, Um, you know, the proverb. And I I look at that and I see the discouragement or the lack of direction or feeling like the obstacles are too big to get over. Um, When I, when I see that, or if I'm coaching, um, I I see that from time to time, I'm coaching a couple of pastors and, they have small churches, and so they get to thinking, how in the world are we going to ever be able to grow? Mm-hmm. And so my job becomes to encourage them, mm-hmm. keep encouraging them, and realizing they're not stuck like they think they might be stuck. Mm-hmm. That helps. That, that brings up the idea of the long game. Um, you know, that we, we the long game is hard to, to see and um, to, to help somebody envision a long game. Is there is – there, um, you know, if I'm a, if I'm a church pastor of a of a church that feels like it's plateaued or stagnate, is there a word of encouragement you can give to a guy who sees that? Uh, you know, how to look at the long game in light of the short game that 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 stagnant feeling. Yeah, I I uh, I think you're actually right. Uh, let me give you an example. I talked to one pastor, and down the street they have a big mega church. And so he says, well, I'm, I'm scared we can't grow because we've got that mega church. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, what's that got to do with you? Mm-hmm. Um, they, people go to a mega church because they want to go to a mega church. Other people don't want to go to a mega church. They want to go to a church like yours. Mm-hmm. And I, when I was talking to this pastor, I could see his eyes light up mm-hmm. because we, we put out barriers that 
stop us from doing the long game. And we have to stop and look, are those barriers really true? So, Brett, when you think of stagnant, um, we, we, there is a negative connotation to stagnant, but is there, have you been in a, involved in a situation that it actually isn't negative? There's actually like a, like a positive situation taking place um, that feels to the outsider maybe that it's stagnating, but in fact it's doing something different. Have you been involved or, or Steve, have either of you guys been involved in something that perceived incorrectly about stagnation? Yes, if the idea of stagnation is numeric growth. I have, I have been involved in, in things that are not numerically growing because I've watched some intentionality in growing deeper, not wider. Mm. Um, I, I would argue that the church that I'm involved with has gone through seasons of that. And I don't, and I, it's not just to make Brett feel better about the fact that the church isn't growing. Hmm. I think there are some objective measures to be had as to whether or not people are really growing deeper um, in their relationship with Christ, in their, um, in their desire to serve and serve alongside the local church. Um, but it's in those occasions where I feel like that is indeed um, where you could see some positive in stagnant numeric growth. Got it. The um, we, we had a conversation prior to going on mic here that had to do with um, children being a, an indicator of energy and, 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 and growth um, in a church. And yet if there aren't if, if families aren't coming to a church, um, and and maybe it's it's a it's an older congregation, um, Steve. Have you you know when 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 a church when a church feels that and and they and they desire deeply desire for youth and it's just not happening, um, you know what, what would be your what would be your encouragement to a pastor that's that looks at that as stagnation and and what would you, what would be your perspective of that? Well, I, I, I think if they're wanting to have kids, uh, you know, middle school, high school, uh, down grade school, that kind of thing, if, if they're wanting that, they have to have a place for them. Mm. And I think what happens is churches want to have those, but they have no place for these kids. Mm. Um, maybe an example would be we... We, uh, on one side of our church, we put in a great grass area with a, a fireplace and a, a, ba- a basketball court and a gaga, um, gaga pit. Pe- and, and a volleyball and that kind of thing. And now the kids are out there and they're playing and that kind of thing. But if we didn't have any of that, why would the kids want to come? Mm-hmm. It's the way I look at it. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's imperative that if uh, whatever the church situation is, if they want kids, if they want seniors, whatever it is, you just have to have a preparation. And uh, it means that you're going to have to collect some money and put it into the church some way so that it meets that need, mm. as well as just, you know, uh, personalities and, mm. and uh, fellowship and that type of thing. Yeah, so Brett, you know, when you think of um, the statement, um, you know, minister to the people you have, not the people you want. I mean, there's a lot wrapped up into that. 
um, you know, un- unpack that a little bit for us, negatively and positively. Do you, what, what, what's some thought you have on that? Sadly, tells a little bit about my character, but I can go toward the negative really quickly there. Hmm. And I'm glad I'm not a pastor many, many times because stagnant churches, I think as Steve aptly described, there's at minimum a dispassion, right? It's, it's sort of a lack of passion uh, or a comfortableness, a complacency perhaps. And while I would rather minister to someone who's ready to make a life change than someone who has every reason to be transformed and is mm-hmm. kind of a season of malaise, mm-hmm. it's, it's tough to move those folks. Mm. So when I think of when I think of stagnation and how to move a congregation, I, I'm challenged to figure that out. I'm challenged to figure out how it is you take a congregation that perhaps has been vibrant at one time and no longer is. Hmm. Um, that's, a, that's a more painful way. I'd much rather turn my attention to the ones that are kind of hungry to learn, hungry to grow, and... That's not been the case with many that are that are seated in the church. Do you guys, either of you guys, feel there is a connectivity between a church's vibrancy and the board? Is it, in other words, does one lead the other? Is there a correlation between the culture of the board and the culture of the the congregation? Is there is there any connectivity there? When if I'm a board member, um, that I have the power to influence positive outcome of vibrancy or am I just leading a, an organization that is going to do what it does regardless of what I say and do? Mm-hmm. I see nothing oh, yeah. but a connection. Yeah. Frankly, um, my hesitation was simply to, to, how do I emphasize enough? I do believe things rise and fall with leadership. And so if you're seeing stagnation in sort of personal relationship with Jesus Christ, if you're seeing stagnation in your, um, you know, with individuals who are like, yeah, it's my home church and I go there at least 60% of the time when it's convenient. Um, mm-hmm. If that is what represents your leadership, to expect more of your congregation is is not possible, mm-hmm. very frankly. It's not reasonable. So I do see a huge connection between leadership, vibrancy, and life and light that's emanating in and through them. Um, and if it's not happening, I don't, I don't see how it's possible to emerge from that. Steve, I, I, I've been at Harvest, your church in Brighton, Colorado, and, and the, um, the environment, the, the, the building, the campus, its location all lend itself to interest to visit. And, and it's really a, a, a ministry that encourages, I think, somebody to want to get on the campus. And, and um, as a, as a, with the churches that don't have that, and, you know, there's, there, we have churches that are um, around the country that, um, that are not in a place that can do that. Um, and so they're working toward what, what can we do about who we are? We don't have the vibrancy. We lost a lot of our families during COVID, and and we, you know here we are now at at, at our current condition. Um, what you know, 
what what's the path toward vibrancy in that situation? Geography and location and congregation, constitution, all that. Yeah, I I uh, have a saying uh, that I have to tell myself, and that is, I own the pulpit. Mm. And um, when I say that, I mean uh, the culture that we want to build. I can build from the pulpit. Mm. Um, I when we go to the board building the uh, culture. In my experience, it can be different than anybody else, but every one of those men I've discipled that are on our board, and so we all have that unity in terms of the culture, and our culture is grace um, and acceptance, um, you know, with the caveats. But um, so I, I'm kind of going back to your original question, is there a connection between the board and that kind of thing? I, I think the real connection is the pulpit, and I think the our ability as pastors to be able to use the scriptures and describe the type of culture that we want, it'll end up happening. Mm. Uh, but I, I go back to, uh, um, I can't remember who that was. Um, anyhow, uh, he was talking about uh, vision, and he said it's like a pail with holes in it. It might have been Bill Hybels. Yeah, I, I think know. it was Hybels. Yeah. Um, he said the problem is when you put uh, water into a pail, it leaks out over time. And so you have to reinforce and reinforce and reinforce that culture. Mm-hmm. And my experience is because I know all of these uh, um, people on my board um, – we're all agreed. We're in unity with what we want the culture to be. So I'm hearing two things, Steve, and maybe I'm wrong. So correct me if I'm wrong. I'm hearing both the pulpit in terms of messaging, sort of the consistent (laughs) messaging, but I'm also, I'm also hearing sort of that relational component because (laughs) you're in relationship with those who are leading the church. Um, There's a dynamic there. That's crucial. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, for instance, um, I try to text two to three people a day mm-hmm. when I get in, just encourage them and that kind of thing. During the service, I, while the worship's going on, I talk to every person in that auditorium. Mm-hmm. I just scoot around, hug them, say hi, that kind of thing. And then I think what you're kind of alluding to is uh, I have talks. Our guys have talks with people and build that culture through discussion with people. Mm-hmm. Sure. You exemplify the culture that you're trying to create. Yeah, exactly. Live it. Yeah. And know that it's going to leak out if we don't keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Understood. Hey, Brian, can we return to, uh, you asked me a question and I I immediately went to the negative side of the equation. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. And I have a hunch that Steve being a pastor is far more compassionate than myself. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, Steve, what opportunities do you see in maybe a stagnant or maybe less less vibrant church culture to engage your congregation? Right. I, I know that people go through seasons of life. There's reasons for, for some of the malaise and stagnancy. Um, what, what opportunities do you see? Um, well, I, I think the uh, core opportunity is discipleship with the people that are there. Um, 
a one-on-one or one-on-two or one-on-three to build that um, so that pretty soon you have a multiple staff as a result of discipleship. I don't know any other way around that. Mm. Um, but I do think that uh, uh, asking to meet with people and go to lunch together, um, um, there's a lot of different ways. I, I'm an idea guy, and then I suck ideas out of other people, you know, and so um, and that changes from day to day almost for me, What, how I want to approach things and what I want to do. But I do really feel like we have to honor the people that are there. You were talking about how some people come 60% of the time. Well, we all have that problem. You know, uh, mm-hmm, I have back a lot of people that were in the lockdown and they say, oh, well, I see you every Sunday on YouTube and mm-hmm. those kind of things. And it's like, yeah, well, can you come back? <laughs> So I don't know if I answered your question. No, you did. Uh, yeah. That's helpful. You know, um, I, I I know that pastors, I, I believe a pastor, as he answers the call to go into the pastorate, is going, I, I believe, uh, with with the right intent, is going to into that call and answering that, that great call to to serve and to present the ministry of the gospel and to touch the hearts and lives of people for eternity. And there's, there's probably a a handful of really wonderful driving points. And, and as a pastor gets into their, their seat and their vocation and they, and they move forward and, and, um, and it doesn't seem like they're being productive. And, And I can, I've spoken with enough pastors who say, um, I'm, I, I, you know, I, I feel like I'm, I'm I'm running dry. I, I you know no one's responding to my ministry. The church down the road or over around the, the corner is is growing and we're shrinking. Um, I hear a real despair in their voice, and there and there there's that connection. And I and you know I can't help but think you know in um in Psalms 51 when David says you know restore to me the joy of myself that re- restore that that process and and uh, when when you guys come across pastors who are really downhearted about what they think their church looks like and and maybe even making the connection of their effectiveness as a pastor to the vibrancy of their church, which is probably not a hard connection to make. When you guys see that pastor hurting because of that, is, is there a word that you would give them, a word of encouragement that that supersedes what they're seeing maybe in the vibrancy of their church? Well, you know, like what I'm, coaching a, the, a couple pastors right now, young pastors, I'm really talking to them about forgetting the long game for right now and learn to preach and learn to lead and um, become friends with your congregation and encourage them. And then I think somewhere along the line, they can look after more of the long game. But I think what happens is pastors look at the long game they look at what it should be, and then they just get discouraged because it's not going to happen right away. That's tough. Yeah, and you can see that broken yeah. hardness um, or that lack of confidence that they've followed the right call. You know, um, right? It's the proverbial how do you how do you eat an elephant? Right? It's one bite at mm-hmm. a time. Right? You're not going exactly. to conquer yeah. the world. And I, I would, I, I do have those occasions, and I joke about not being a pastor, and that, but I do have great compassion when I hear that brokenness, like. Well, I'm just questioning whether I should be in this. But in reality, 
my response is often, man, thanks for being faithful mm-hmm. you know, amidst a culture that is really kind of warring against everything you're trying to, to be about. Mm. Um, right. That, that yeah. faithfulness does not go unnoticed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you've, you've kind of mentioned ideas. And then when we think the word mitigate, you know, the word mitigate means ways to avoid. I, I'm sure that's not the correct definition, but um, how, how to avoid, how to, how to with intention avoid. And is, are there, do you guys think there are mitigation ways that we can avoid? I know, Steve, you were already talking about, you know, if you desire to have young families, build a mm-hmm. space for young families. Um, and, mm-hmm. and it's not the old Kevin Costner build it, build it and they'll come thing because it's not, that's not how it works. But I think you the idea of if you desire for something, create the space for something. Um, and let's see what God will do in that. Are there other ways to mitigate, um, you know, a church that doesn't, that maybe is heading that direction is, are there ways to do things in the ministry leadership that, can help mitigate the issue of being non-vibrant and stagnant as a ministry? Can I uh, swim upstream of that question a little bit? Yeah, do please. I'm wondering, is all stagnancy a result of unhealth? Good question. My quick answer to your question, Brian, is mm-hmm. I think I would want to go in and diagnose the individual situation, the right? What's happening in this local church, in this local body believers. That's the consultant in me, right? Mm -hmm. That that wants to get the more accurate picture that's painted. Um, But then I do wonder to what extent stagnancy is a result of unhealth. And if it is, is it always the same unhealth, right? We talk the GGF about healthy pastors, healthy boards, healthy Mm -hmm. churches, right? And within each of those areas where we're striving to be healthier, um, there's all sorts of subcategories where we might be vibrant in one area and not so vibrant in another. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, Steve, what, what, what's your take on whether or not um, all stagnancy is a result of unhealth? Um, I, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I, um, there's opportunities that come along, and if you capitalize on those opportunities, you grow. If you don't capitalize on them, you don't. But um, I don't know. I um, it's a hard one. I when we say that they're stagnant, um, they're that. That's why I almost like the plateau better because at a plateau, it's say, okay, here's where we are. Where are we going to do? What are we going to do to change this? And pray about it and see if you can change it. Stagnation says we're sick. Uh, or feels that way so that we can't get healthy. And so I think that, you know, for instance, here in Brighton, uh, about two and a half percent of the people in Brighton go to church. Mm. So we're an unreached nation. And so it's been an uphill battle for us just to keep the people, let alone grow. Mm -hmm. And I read in Christianity today a while back that, um, People are leaving uh, leaving the church about 20% rate. Used to be 10, now it's 20. So in order to stay the same, you have to be growing at 20%. Mm. And so it takes a lot of thought. And uh, like, for instance, for us, going back to the kids, well, we started an Awana program. And 
now we have over 100 kids coming to Awana, and that only goes up to grade school. Mm-hmm. And my wife leads a non-Awana, mm. uh, and I lead a want-to-know <laughs> <laughs> um, with adults on theology and that kind of thing. And so um, we've those have come through much discussion and much thinking, much thinking on how can we do this. I really think it's important in a pastor's life to find a coach. Mm. Um, I went to a professional coach for a year, um, several years back, uh, for a whole year, every other week, mm. because I was getting kind of to feel that stagnancy or that plateau, and I thought maybe I shouldn't be in the ministry, mm. you know, that kind of thing. And so going to him, and I paid him. Mm-hmm. That. I had the church pay him, and and uh, he just would listen and offer advice and that kind of thing. And that was good. Other times, I've gone to other pastors that have churches larger than mine to see how they operate and could they coach me. And so I just feel like uh, a pastor needs a voice from somebody outside their congregation. Mm because you can't say some things to your congregation. And so you have to do that outside to ask the real questions and maybe even to get some good answers. Yeah. That, and so I asked yeah, that, that, that idea of helping a pastor, I think Brett, even, even how you turned that conversation, um, you know, I think what you guys both kind of tease out is stagnation might be a, a state of mind in regard to, where are we and what are we doing? It might be more of a plateau. We might, hey, this is in the life cycle of our ministry. We are in this spot. Um, there, there's a church that we have down in the Alabama area that um, is used to have a school engaged in it, involved in its campus, and it, it's no longer there. But the pastor there, Glenn Bocamp, is working to the, – the church is, is, is working with its local public schools to do an after-school program. And he says our goal is to have a ch- – a school back because we realize that's a really good opportunity for us to touch the lives of families. Um, and so to your point, Steve, the idea of building a space for, for families will, is the way to create space for families. You know, there's some intentionality to that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the, uh, one of the goals of this, of this conversation is to encourage um, our pastors and, and, and our board members toward um looking in their into their ministry and not throwing a flag into the ring too quickly. I think that's the wrong throwing a towel in the ring too wow, quickly. You are mixing metaphors. <laughs> throwing a flag up. Um, and and what I know of both of the ministries you guys are involved with and each of I mean you're more than one ministry, but I think of um, Harvest Church and I think of Rush Creek and I think of the different ministries you men are both involved with. Um, you know as as before we end this this discussion, you know what would you guys both say to our church leaders out there who are feeling like there is a um, a lack of wind in the sail and and they're considering things that maybe are are you know ministry ending considerations. Um, what would what would you say in that in that kind of space where you would encourage the heart of those men? Hmm. Good question. I um, I like the lens through which Steve is looking at it, and the idea of plateauing. It's not just a kinder, gentler word. It is 
maybe a, a maybe more apt of a word than stagnation. Uh, but even as as he describes the culture in Colorado and the two and a half percent that go to the church, go to church, um, and the twenty percent that leave the church, um, plateauing can look a lot like falling backward year over year over year. Um, and so it doesn't, it feels even more dire than just a plateau that you've reached. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think just some reminders that I think we're used to functioning more in a Christendom model as churches, right? Like we're on, um, Christianity's on top of culture and we're doing ministry and, and we should be growing. And in reality, um, we're a bit more like Babylon right now, and it's it's like how, how do you minister? How how do you become a faithful presence? How do you dive into the people that God has placed in your presence and and disciple them, encourage them along in their journey? Because it's God's not surprised by the place your local church is at. He's got you there, and I think you said it, Steve. You, know, you got to see that opportunity in that. Easier said than done. You can't just say to a pastor, look, see the opportunity. Hmm. Um, but by the same token, there is truth to it, right? God's hmm. not surprised by the place where your local church is. So what is he trying to teach? Not the church, but the individuals within the church, hmm. the leadership within the church. Yeah. And I, I would like to talk about something. And if I'm going off course here, you can stop me. Okay. I, I think one of the problems that uh, smaller churches and even churches our size um, have is funding. Mm -hmm. And that is how do we fund? Like I I mentioned about, we, we need to, we need to create a space. Well, that costs money. Okay. So um, what we've done is we have uh, uh, Aurora school district. um, It's a suburb of Denver meeting at our church on Monday and Tuesdays for homeschoolers. And they pay us about 4,700 a month to be there for nine months. Well, uh, churches our size and smaller, um, that's decent money. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bobby Hill, who is uh, in charge of our youth, he does TNT firework stands um, uh, two weeks before the fourth. And, mm-hmm. and then the fourth this year, we, we, uh, netted $80,000, and so that's the youth budget. Selling fireworks. Yeah, selling fireworks at two weeks is a real headbanger doing it, but when it's over and they net out 80000 they have money for food. They have money to go places and do things, and the rest of the church doesn't touch that money. We just keep it for the youth, so we get people in because our youth group man, serves food and they'll take us to a restaurant or we're going to go caving or we're going to, you know, whatever it may be, go water skiing or whatever. And so it's a pretty exciting thing. And then, then Bobby's really good at apologetics. So he helps them um, uh, survive college. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so I don't know if that's off. Target, but I I don't think that's off target at all, Steve. I'm glad you raised that issue because, Mm -hmm. frankly, um, momentum builds on momentum, Mm -hmm. right? And part of that momentum is is finances, very frankly. 
mm-hmm. if you're seeing a diminished congregation, um, you're seeing a diminished offering plate, right? Yeah. And um, I'm glad you raised that point. I'm not sure it's the solution for everyone, but Rush Creek has had a similar posture, I would say, really just in the last 10 years. We also have a facility. We have a posture now that that facility sitting idle doesn't benefit anyone. Um, We've right. overcome yeah. the fact that we don't need things pristine on Sunday morning if we know we've availed our facility to other ministries that are, that are reaching out to the community. So we mm-hmm. have we host we host homeschool co-ops. They they pay some money. There are some that we offer our facility for free, yeah. um, and we partner. Mm-hmm. We we're also not of the mind that we need to create every ministry that that's worthy of doing. Uh, there's some great community partners and to, to bring some of our volunteers alongside those ministry partners. Um, that's, that's a viable way to generate some momentum as well. Mm-hmm. And I think going along with that, um, because I'm from the business world, I, I uh, was 12 and a half years into the church before I started doing a full-time salary. Um, we always looked at everything um, as ROI, return on investment. What kind of return on investment are we getting? And I think uh, church boards should really ask that question um, when we're doing. Um, and so the return on investment may be people, uh, it may be money, uh, it may be support. I personally, I have the idea that I don't. I don't want to have our congregation pay for everything. I want to figure out how we can make money. Um, so that they aren't burdened down with that. Like, for instance, right now, our, our uh, leadership team is working on the idea of taking, we have five acres vacant, and we're using five acres. And so we want to turn that other five um, acres into a park and then rent that park out to two cities that are dying to have little league uh, football and that kind of thing going on. And then they pay us. And so that'll at least pay for the watering and maybe extra, whereas a congregation would have to do that if they couldn't, you know, lease their land out or whatever. Mm-hmm. Creative. So I think return on investment is huge. Yeah, creative, creative use of the of the resource. Um, right. You know, um, as we get ready to close here, and I'm going to ask you guys about maybe other other resources or. Um, websites or books you might be a suggestion but one one of the things that I want our listener audience to to appreciate about the two men on this current podcast is both Pastor Steve in um at the Harvest Church in Brighton Colorado and and Brett at Rush Creek Bible Church are involved in churches that have a vibrancy um and and not every church has the capacity to maybe be at a large size we're not talking about um, congregational size here. We're talking about congregational vi- vibrancy, and I want to I, I want to invite our listening audience to be able to reach out to Pastor Steve and to Brett. Um, and we'll at the end of this, we'll we'll at the um, at the link, we'll give both um, emails for these these churches and these pastors to be able to have some connectivity. Um, before that, though, before we adjourn here, guys, are there books or resources that you might suggest? for pastors and board members to consider anything you have read or accessed that have just been encouraging? Steve, you mentioned a little bit about um, finding a coach, maybe even talking about how one would go about that. 
Mm. Well, um, as far as the coaching goes, I um, I just went and asked. <laughs> went over to the church, and uh, I have a church uh, two miles down the road that's they have about eight hundred people to a thousand. So, and at the time they had sixteen hundred. So I went to the pastor and I said, I just asked him, okay, um, could we meet? And um, you coach me or listen to me. Mm. Um, and so I did that for a while. And that was good. I asked a few other pastors, but the one that I paid was really good. Mm. Because Dewey be there every other week. And and um, I saw him at a conference. Mm. And uh, my wife, she's a dear heart. She said, that's the guy you want, honey. <laughs> and so... <laughs> So I went up to him. He had a, a church at two, two and a half thousand in South Denver. And so he said, well, I coach new pastors, but I never coached a seasoned pastor. I said, well, I'll train you. <laughs> train the trainer. <laughs> we laughed. And, and so I said, I just need somebody to listen to me. And then maybe you can shoot ideas you've already worked through that I haven't worked through at my level yet. What a great word of encouragement for uh, pastors who feel isolated and lonely in their in their in their challenge. Brett, what about any any other? And Steve, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Any other resources, guys? You might point our pastors and board members towards. So, maybe an exercise. Uh, every couple of years, I have done this at certainly Rush Creek, uh, other locations as well, and it's a simple exercise. I, in fact, I just went through it with the staff. I'm passionate about board development and staff development, working on those things together. There's a reality to uh, the fact that, yes, I, I want to admit up front that maybe we're a slightly larger church than some of the some of the people represented here or listening to this podcast. But I think this works in any setting, and that is ask these two questions. What would we in the community be accused of valuing? <laughs> Like basically what, what are we known for? What, what would we be accused of valuing? And then the second question is what do we want to be valued for in the community that we serve? Mm. Um, because it, it all comes down to core values that are shared amongst the leadership. That's what you can build on. You, you mm. can build on the things that are shared core values. And, but you also need to have sort of a reality check, which is the accusation of, uh, which is, it's a harsh word of saying, what, what do people say about you? What, what would they say you value as a congregation or as a church? So that might just be a starting point, but, but it's always been a helpful exercise when I've worked through that. Let me give a, um, one uh, book you were talking about, maybe a book. I think the best thing that ever happened in my life was to read Volunteer Revolution Mm. um, uh, by Bill Hybels. Um, He and I saw him on a uh, a, uh, um, a conference talk about it, and I got his book and read it. And uh, the bottom line is um, we are inviting our congregation into the game. Um, that we're playing, um, you know, um, that may be foreign language, I'm not sure, but into what we're trying to do as a church and that kind of thing. 
And he does such a good job of convincing you when you get done with that book that you're wrong and not asking people mm. to volunteer. Mm. And I, I, I actually got the audio so I could just listen to it mm. from time to time mm. uh, to kind of re-up. Maybe once every two years I listen to it to re-up because I think one of the problems, and especially in a smaller, but I think all churches, is asking somebody to volunteer. And that's like asking him for money. Mm. Those things are yeah. really hard, asking for money and asking for volunteer. We have to learn to do both. Yeah, especially because as a pastor, I think they find that um, that these guys are busy. Every, my families are busy in my church, and, and who am I to ask somebody? It's my job. I'm getting paid to do everything. And right. uh, it's, a, it's an easy trap to fall into for these, these, these leaders. Right, exactly, yeah. Well, guys, there, there are so many nuggets here that we're going to unravel it or un, unearth one day because um, this issue of of the pastor and our and our boards feeling confident in the in the place they are, I think both of you guys speak to, and we haven't really spoken to this point, but I think you both reveal that just being able to recognize where you're at as a church and, you know, is it a plateau? Are we at a place that, hey, we're just a bit here for a bit? Or is it maybe a bit more of a stagnation where we're moving backward and, and we're losing we're losing energy in, in the fight? Um, so I, 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 there's so much here. I, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful um, to our listening audience. I, I just hope this was a, 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 a real significant encouragement to you. And I look forward to giving more resources toward this and future podcasts as well. So, hey, Pastor Steve and Brett, thank you both for being part of this thing. Always yeah. a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, always a pleasure.